The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. Our guest today is Chris Townsend, who is the Area Vice President of Federal at UiPath. Hello, Chris. Thank you so much for joining us on AI Today. Hey, good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, welcome, Chris. And thanks for joining us. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your current role at UiPath. Sure. Thank you. I've been with UiPath for about eight months now. I joined in September of last year, 2019. Prior to that, I was at Symantec, where I led their federal business for about four years on the cybersecurity side of things. And prior to that, I was at Cisco for about 10 years and led their federal healthcare protocol. I'll tell you, it's so refreshing. You know, cybersecurity is such an important segment of our business and, and what we do. And with cybersecurity, we're always talking about, hey, with the bad things that could potentially happen to us and the technology we need to do to protect ourselves. And now joining UiPath and talking about RPA and the efficiencies we can gain and how we can make people's lives better by improving their day-to-day jobs and taking a lot of this mundane work off their plate has been really rewarding and very excited to be here. Yeah, well, great. Well, definitely, you know, it's kind of interesting. We, you know, obviously here at AI Today, we, we talk a lot about, you know, intelligence systems and AI and machine learning. And of course, the role that automation has to play as part of that whole thing as well. And, you know, it's interesting because we talk, you mentioned a little bit about cybersecurity, and that's been a hot topic, you know, for well over a decade, decade, two decades, of course, but people didn't realize anything about cybersecurity prior to, say, the beginning of the 2000s, because we didn't, you know, didn't realize we had all these vulnerabilities in these connected systems. And now I think people are sort of making the same realization with intelligence systems, like we have all these processes, but like, you know, oh, wait, we can make them more intelligent. And this idea of hyper automation, you know, has gained popularity in recent years. And it's the, the idea of combining a bunch of things together, because not just about automation, it's obviously more. That's what the word hyper is all about. So for our listeners who may not be familiar with the term hyper automation, can you explain a little bit about what it is and what role does robotic process automation and other forms of automation and artificial intelligence have to do with hyper automation? And of course, its relationship to kind of what you're seeing in your customers. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the parallel you use in the evolution of cybersecurity, you know, back in the early 2000s when everyone was first connecting to the internet and needed to protect their systems and how that evolved to, you know, what is today and, and the importance of it. I think we're really on the cusp of that right now with artificial intelligence and RPA and the evolution of how to use this technology and apply it. If you look at the productivity of a worker, you know, back to the industrial revolution over the last 100 or 120 years, productivity has consistently increased over that time. And, you know, it was pretty dramatic in the beginning of the 1900s when we had assembly lines and more mechanization and and industry that really propelled that productivity. And when we did the IT age and, of course, the introduction of the ubiquity of IT really accelerated the productivity of workers as well. Now, what we're seeing is productivity is increasing at a decreasing rate that's flattening out. And the reason for that is we have all this great technology that's providing a tremendous amount of information, and we're leaving it to employees now to sort through all of that information, aggregate, collect, analyze, and it's really impacting our ability to be productive. So the value of RPA and AI is to outsource that work or to shift that work of collecting, aggregating, and analyzing that data to robots, to automation, and to AI. 
So we're also seeing, which is driving the shift to hyper-automation. And the move to hyper-automation is really putting RPA as the core of this evolution and how we're approaching automation and the application of AI to improve productivity and to offload this low-value work. So hyper-automation, in a nutshell, aggregates a lot of these technology capabilities across whether it's cloud, AI, RPA, other tools and systems to really accelerate productivity and accelerate the use of RPA and AI. And if you look at the Gartner studies, Gartner says is a top 10 technology trend in 2020 to move to hyper-automation. And we're going to see a 30% operational cost reduction in the next two to five years as a result of this hyper-automation trend. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's something we talk about a lot in our research here at Cognolytica as well. We focus entirely on the AI machine learning space. And of course, for us, automation fits into that as part of this transformation, as part of that digital transformation from people and paper-based processes to digital-based processes. That's the whole idea of digital transformation. And you summarized it so well, because when you were talking about the decreasing amount of improvement in productivity, because we're sort of hitting up against the limitations of our existing systems, and we need to cross over that by basically making our systems more intelligent. Because if our systems are sort of kind of like these sort of dumb repeaters, basically, and you still need humans in the loop to keep the processes moving, then of course, when humans are not there, which is kind of obvious these days in work from home and remote situations, then the processes stop. So it's kind of interesting that you sort of bring in this idea of hyper automation in the context of what we call the digital transformation log jam, which is sort of like how things tend to get stuck. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And you hit on a couple of things there I'd like to address. So first, the role of automation and digital transformation, you know, and if you look at our federal government in particular, we have a lot of legacy systems that are important and need to be maintained and exist. You know, we still do a lot of processing with key systems on mainframe applications. But as we move to the cloud, as we really embrace digital transformation, there's a, a migration from those legacy systems to modernized systems that a lot of that can be automated. And today we've got, you know, federal employees that they spend their entire day moving data from a legacy system to a modern system. It doesn't require any cognitive ability. It doesn't require any thought. doesn't really serve the constituents of the agency. It's just a, a migration of an integration of legacy and, and modern systems. And, and automation can definitely, uh, definitely impact that. Yeah, that's interesting that you bring that up because I know that some agencies still even work with paper-based documents and things of that nature where, you know, they need to actually go into a file cabinet and that is the only document that exists of certain things, which we find crazy that it hasn't at least been digitized. So, you know, there is a lot of room for improvement and I understand that things are the way they are because of, you know, many years of doing it that way and certain limitations. But the world is rapidly changing. And now with people working from home, they don't always have access to those actual physical filing cabinets. So how do you see RPA helping deal with some of these significant shifts into the way that we work and live and how interactions between companies and governments and constituents are happening? In particular, we've been seeing it across a variety of different industries and different use cases. So how do you see RPA 
fitting into that and then helping agencies move up that ladder of intelligent automation. Yeah, and that was the second part of the previous question that I wanted to address too, is how this is going to change the way we work. And this in COVID and the move to telework and this challenge that we're going through right now with the COVID crisis, I think is going to really force us all to take a look at how we change the way we work and whether it's telecommuting, whether it's leveraging more cloud applications or more automation, but really improving the the agility, the elasticity, the scalability, on-demand scalability of our workforce and being able to respond to future you know challenges. And hopefully this never happens again, but I think we have to expect that something like this could. And, and how do we build in this continuity and scalability in our workforce, just like we do with a lot of our IT systems as we move to the cloud. I think this is going to drive a lot of thinking around and accelerate a lot of the work on, on digital transformation as it relates to cloud, teleworking, and, and automation and hyper-automation. And you mentioned document processing. That's a great example. We have a number of agencies that we're working with today that, and almost every government agency processes a, a tremendous amount of documents. And like you said, some are paper, some are even handwritten. And we have folks that spend their entire day looking at a piece of paper or inbound pieces of paper or emails that they're opening and taking data out of that system and entering it into another system, whether it's you know a, a social security claim for a retiree, whether it's a claim for a veteran, whether it's a health record for defense health. But there's a tremendous opportunity to build efficiencies into that document processing. I'll give you a quick example of a pilot that we're working right now with Department of Veterans Affairs. They have all of these folks that are leveraging now the Community Care Act, the, the Mission Act, that allow folks to go out and seek care outside of the VA network. And the result of that is there's paperwork that comes back into the VA that needs to be loaded back into the VA electronic health record system. So if you're a veteran, you go outside of the VA to get care, you bring a document back with you. And sometimes that's a paper document. Sometimes it's handwritten. Sometimes it's digitized or emailed. But that document then needs to be loaded into the electronic health record system at the VA. And the way that works today is it's a manual process. We've been working with the VA on a pilot across three medical centers where we automate that process. And, and essentially, we're able to, through a single automation, process twice the amount of claims that you know 10 people at a single medical center are processing claims. So on average, about 10 people can process 500 claims a day. They're struggling to keep up with the influx of these claims. So there's a backlog. And with a single automation, you know, we did a pilot where we could process a thousand claims in a day and, you know, put these 10 people back to their day jobs because most of them were taken away from work that they were already doing and repurposed to processing these claims. And that's just one example of, you know, where automation can have an impact and really not only solve a problem for agencies in terms of making people more effective and improving morale in the workforce because no one wants to do this mundane, repetitive work, but really benefit the mission of the agency where now we're allowing this Mission Act Community Care Program to better serve and deliver care to the veteran, right? Which is what it's all about. And I think that's where we're going to start to see a big shift in adoption in federal as it relates to AI and RPA is when we can tie these technologies to better serve the constituents of the agency and really impacting the mission and the ability of our agencies to be more effective in executing the mission. And there's some big problems in government that I believe we can solve. I mean, you look at the ability of RPA, coupled with AI, to be able to do fraud detection, right? I mean, there's still a lot of Medicare fraud. We have fraudulent tax returns, right? How can we apply this technology to solve that problem? There are overpayment issues with some of our large agencies, the Treasury and Social Security, and how could we apply the technology to solve those issues and be able to link multiple systems and look at things before they go out to make sure that there's no errors in the system or payments? And those are, you know, $100 billion programs. 
or $100 billion problems, I should say, that we could potentially solve with this technology. So I'm really excited to see how this evolves from a lot of the automations we're doing today in HR and finance and back office systems. We're delivering a lot of value to transforming to solving mission problems for the agencies and taking on the big problems in government with these evolving technologies. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, this is something that we feel very strongly about at, you know, here at Cognolytica. One, because we understand that, you know, AI and information application of machine learning to large volumes of data and automation, you know, just even like the basics gives so much value. And it's interesting that we're in these times that we are now because you could see what happens when systems are basically built the way that they handled problems from like the last few decades. Well, the world changes very quickly. And, you know, people say that the, you know, governments, not even just the U.S. government, but governments around the world, you know, they're not built for agility. You know, that's not why you, you don't build governments to be able to change on the dime. As a matter of fact, sometimes you don't want that to happen because you want laws and regulations. And you want things to be very predictable. But when things do change really rapidly, you could see how a lot of these systems kind of have a hard time keeping up with those changes. And sometimes the industry, you know, just the, the private sector is able to keep up with those changes much faster than the public sector. And then we have these weird situations where sometimes you have banks, for example, that are much, much, much more efficient than the government systems that need to interact with those banks and the government systems get overloaded. So you know, we need to solve this problem. I mean, basically, everybody needs to be able to respond much more in an agile and a more resilient fashion. And I think, you know, automation is part of that. I mean, there's lots of other things that are part of that, but it's part of that. So, you know, given that we're sort of in this sort of unique situation here, you must be seeing some interesting use cases for government adoption of RPA, maybe not even just now, but like maybe over the past, you know, short while, you know, what are you seeing as some of the most interesting applications of this hyper automation uh, technology? Well, great question. And I'll tell you, one of the really cool and exciting things about this technology is every customer I meet, really without exception, without without exaggeration, every customer I meet, they're so excited and they always have new applications for the technology, right? Everybody I talk to like, hey, you know, we, we came up with this new idea and how to use it and we're deploying it this way and using it to solve this problem. And it's just really exciting to see the passion about how to utilize this technology. And there are a number of great use cases, right? The one I pointed to at the VA is really exciting because I did a lot of work with the VA in the past. And that's just such an important agency and an important mission application. But we're doing some great things with DHS in terms of securing the homeland. And you know, when the travel restrictions came out, there was some requirements of CBP to be able to take a look at passenger manifest, that type of thing, and, and, and be able to sort through that. And there's 150, 170 CBP employees that were going to have to do that work. DHS and CBP in particular are one of the leaders in adoption of automation. And they had reached out to us and said, hey, is there a way that we could automate a lot of this? And we brought in one of our developers. And within 36 hours, we had an automation developed that, you know, using 60 robots, we were able to do the work of 170 CBP employees to help them respond to the COVID issue. Another great example at CMS, right? All of their folks had to work remotely at telework and they didn't have, they had multiple monitoring systems to be able to monitor their teleworkers being able to connect and make sure that they had the right access to the systems that they needed to be productive. But all those systems, like you said, were operating in silos. And by taking a robot, we built the robot again very quickly within a couple of days that allowed to integrate with all other systems they had like Tableau and Splunk and their VPN technology and pull data from all those systems and aggregate it into a daily report that showed and demonstrated whether or not 
their employees had the access they needed to be able to get their jobs done. And if their access was interrupted or they saw a drop-off, they could immediately proactively solve that for the remote worker. And, you know, in some case, that productivity started to drop off because the worker was ill. That was another way to proactively reach out and make sure people were okay as well. But there, you know, we have example after example after example in healthcare. You know, you mentioned the banking industry. That was an interesting thing, situation that arose there where the banks were responsible for processing the PPP loans and uploading those to SBA. Many of the banks, as you mentioned, have been using RPA financial. Well, it was one of the early adopters of the technology. And they were using it to process these inbound SBA loans, and they were doing it really efficiently. And the banks that were using the technology were getting first in line to load these loan applications up to SBA. And some of the, the other banks that didn't have RPA you know, had a disadvantage, if you will, in being able to get as many loans processed as quickly. So SBA put a memorandum out and said, hey, we're not, taking, we're not using RPA to process these loans, so we'd ask that you don't use... RPA to submit your loan applications because you're overloading the system. But another great example of as we move beyond COVID-19, you know, I'd love to be engaged with SBA and figuring out how we can implement RPA to update their systems to allow them to ingest and process, you know, these loans more quickly. Yeah, you know, we've made some comments on that as well that don't punish people for being efficient. And I think that, you know, that's a great point that the government needs to continue to be one step ahead or at least on pace with industry. But some of the examples that you brought up were really interesting because some of them can be mundane in nature, but those can have the biggest impact as well, you know, and it can take a process that used to take a person one hour and drop it down to five minutes. And that creates incredible time savings and can help people actually do their jobs, not do some of this stuff that can prevent them from really doing what they were hired to do. So it's always interesting to hear use cases, and I'm sure they will only continue to grow with time. Oh, sure. I was just going to say, yeah, absolutely. You're 100% correct. In general, I think the government has done a tremendous job, both federal and state and local, on responding to COVID. They were doubly burdened with this challenge, right? They All their workers were, remote, were, were moved to telework, and they had additional responsibilities to manage these COVID programs. I think the SBA process something like 14 years worth of loans, typical loans, and within you know a three-week period. So it's it's really just a tremendous effort that all of our federal agencies have done. But again, you know, going forward, I think there's opportunity to better leverage these technologies and automation and cloud and AI to better prepare to be able to scale to these needs in the future. Yeah, you know, I definitely agree. I think that a lot of people, especially governments, were faced with incredible volumes that they don't typically face and they needed to change and adapt and deal with it in a very short amount of time. So what they have done has been incredible. I think that sometimes it's just, you know, they're overwhelmed like everybody else and they have a remote workforce like everybody else. And so trying to get everything in place can be a challenge. So we have definitely been excited with what we've seen. And so we're very optimistic about what's going to happen going forward. So thank you for pointing that out. And then we'd like to end this podcast by asking you, what do you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to corporations, governments, and beyond? Uh, That's that's another great question. So uh, as we really opened up our conversation, you know, AI and, and automation, we're just getting started on the adoption of this technology and really just barely scratching the surface in terms of how we can apply this capability to solve some of our big problems. We're going to continue to see it evolve. 
and move out of the more mundane back office yet important and valuable functions that's supporting today to really starting to solve some of our big complex problems as we move into the future. And, you know, again, there are digital modernization, digital transformation. Certainly, it's going to be a catalyst for that and helping accelerate that. But as we look to providing visibility, aggregation, and collection of data across multiple systems, to allow us to make better, more informed decisions more quickly and really put us on that acceleration of that productivity curve, I think is really important to understand. And I also believe that it's going to fundamentally change the way people work. And I I know there's a trepidation out there today about, you know, will this replace jobs? The technology is not replacing jobs. It's really improving the job satisfaction, the morale, and the ability to make an impact on whether it's a, a private sector company or a public sector in, in government, but they really, it's going to really change our ability to go from low value work to high value work and be more thoughtful, more productive and make our jobs more rewarding. Yeah, I think that's the goal. That's, that's at the end of the day. I think you summarized the, the fundamental objective of technology and productivity, which is to make everybody's lives easier and more productive and safer and to support the growing world population and all the things that we need. So I think that's fantastic. So, you know, Chris, thank you so much for joining us on AI today. You shared a lot of great perspectives. I hope our listeners really got a lot out of it. So we really appreciate you joining us on AI today. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. Really enjoyed it. And just as a note, we have more Q&A with Chris coming up on the bonus episode. For those of you who are listening, we have some other interesting questions. So we encourage you to tune into that bonus episode shortly. Very excited for that bonus episode. And Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. Listeners, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. As always, we'll post any articles and concepts in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.